Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report. I'm Charles Firth and today we have a very special episode. With me today is David Milner. Hey Charles, how are you doing? That was very enthusiastic, thank you. Did you like the energy? Uh, yeah, yeah, I felt it. There's only really one topic of conversation in the entire world at the moment, which is... <coughs> Fucking Elon Musk. He's ruining Twitter. I like that place. I have fun there. My friends are there. Does anyone really like it? No, it's like a horrible place. It's terrible, but yeah. I'm extremely addicted to it. And, and now the fun is making fun of Elon Musk because he shifts the rules around us, so you can't do that anymore. It's very meta, isn't it? Like It's become meta, which is weird because there is a company called Meta. Did you see Elon and Jack, the former CEO of Twitter, were... Like Jack was basically criticizing a bunch of Elon Musk things. Oh, really? And yeah, and he, he he insulted Elon by saying that's a Facebook ass name or something like that. Oh dear. The the billionaires are um I don't know they're toying with us. They're toying with the places we play, and it's not fun. But I think you know journalists and media types who all hang out on Twitter love talking about themselves anyway. So this exactly. is just, it's sort of the worst. But it, it's the most self indulgent. Oh my god. So do you yeah. think it'll last? I don't think. Any of the things that have happened in the last week bode well for that. <laughs> <laughs> to be, so you like, know, direct about it. You know the story. You know why they're in such trouble and why Elon Musk is actually in a genuine panic. Tell me the story about the new fronts. So in May this year, all the social media companies went to New York and did presentations about why you should advertise with Twitter. Now, at that point, Elon Musk, I think, had agreed to take over Twitter and then was trying to back out of it. Yes. And making all these criticisms about how it was actually overrun with bots and a completely worthless network. So Twitter sends its best advertising sales team and the the aim of it was to sell eight or nine hundred million dollars worth of ads for twenty twenty three. That's that's how all these big advertising networks work. So like you know, NBC or CBS might expect to make five billion or six billion out of what they call upfronts, right? In social media, you know, Facebook would book probably about five or ten billion dollars of advertising. For Twitter, you know, eight or nine hundred million. It's about twenty percent of their entire annual revenue comes from that one event. Guess how much they walked away with? Forty-four billion. No, they worked away with zero dollars. They they signed up zero advertisers in the. In no the one wanted to advertise on Twitter back in May because everyone was saying this is a risk. We don't know what's going to happen. Is Elon Musk? Is not Elon Musk? You know, and so everyone went. We'll pause. We'll we'll come back once we know more. First of all, Elon Musk gets in. First person he sacks is head of safety or whatever, who is one of the people the advertisers really trust. Right, so didn't have that person and. The guy who's going to do the presentation quits the day before, right? <laughs> so Elon has to himself just go to New York on his own, or obviously with his entourage of 
lawyers and bros who, you know, and hangers on. But, you know, it's just him giving the presentation. And by all accounts, it went absolutely disastrously. In fact, one advertiser said that it was very clear right from the word go, Elon's whole thing was just to bullshit. Like, he was just bullshitting us, right? And in that meeting, in that, like, there was a Zoom call and then there was also a sort of physical meeting. In that Zoom call, advertisers were dropping off and dropping all their Twitter ads, cancelling their plans on the basis of the Elon Musk sort of thing. And these are not... These are not radical, but they're not like Greenpeace going, oh, we're going to, you know, or, you yeah. know, the Socialist Democratic <laughs> Party of America. These no, are I've you- seen Twitter ads. Yeah. They're mostly like anime porn mobile games and that sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Right. But, you know, it's sort of Unilever, Coca-Cola, Audi, yeah. you know, it's these. And, and all they wanted was an assurance that there was a plan to make sure that their brand is not featured next to crazy alt-right conspiracy theorists. Elon Musk could not give that thing. Well, well he, he, you can see why he's... Actions aren't anyway reassuring in that regards. He's he's playing this twin game where he's actually it feels like he's bought Twitter to get the craziest, nuttiest right wing mm. people to like him a bit more. Yes. And he that is who he is pandering to directly with his tweets at the moment. Yes. But he also needs to convince advertisers that it's not going to be this free-for-all hellscape. And yes. he is not walking that line at all deftly. No, no. Like, have you seen his tweet this morning? He is just this is quite interesting. Yeah. To, this is Elon. To independent-minded voters, shared power curbs the worst excesses of both parties. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, <laughs> given that the presidency is Democratic. That's him this morning. To independent-minded voters, yeah. vote for who the billionaire tells you to vote for. Oh, it's a strange yeah. preposition. I've got a conspiracy theory about this. Hell yes. This sounds a responsible thing to talk about. Let's do it. Which is, I wonder whether he's got the presidency in his eyes. He's caught the bug that billionaires get where Mm -hmm. he goes, actually, this is within reach. If I appeal to the Trump base of the Republican Party, I can become the next Donald Trump. That's a terrifying proposition. Maybe he'll finally get his space handjob if he's the president. Well, yeah, exactly. And And it works for him because a lot of his companies rely on the largesse of government, right? Like, it, it's not free enterprise <laughs> at all. Like, like you know, SpaceX... Just is, become the government. SpaceX is basically a privatised version of NASA now. Like, mm-hmm. like NASA has billion-dollar contracts with, with SpaceX. To cut the bullshit, why do you think he bought Twitter? I, I think he just made a complete mistake. I thought he... I think he, <laughs> I think he thought it was a joke. No, no, but, but I, think, I think he's one of those people... You know how... You know those people who just sort of bumble on... And the, and when you're rich and white, you can just bumble on forever, and yeah, yeah. and then people form a coherent story based on the bumbling. That it, it does feel that way. Yeah, and so he's just surfing along, navigating <laughs> the thing. He thought it was a joke. It turned out to be more binding than it actually was. I think he, I, I think the reason he made the bid was so that he could exit his Tesla stock when it was at an all-time high, he, and he did. He, he successfully it, created a reason to sell $20 billion worth of Tesla stock at the right time. That's how he needs to make money out of Twitter. He needs to use it for stock market manipulation, not yes. charging us eight bucks for a little Fuck, tweet. Fuck, that's a great idea. It is, isn't it? Yes. It's what he's doing. Yeah. He keeps pumping up Dogecoin. Yeah. With his crypto stocks. The thing is... 
He didn't need to own Twitter to do that though. Like, no, no, but it's definitely the the um the fragile ego thing yeah. and his crazy mates that he wants to butter up to. Yeah. It does feel like a mistake. It's really interesting seeing this car crash in real life yeah. in real time. And and it's a wonderful reminder that billionaires are just ordinary people who are very, very lucky. Yeah, who get born with like parents yeah. with emerald mines, that they're, sort of thing. They're not a billion times more genius. Than, than a person who has only $1. No, and this particular one doesn't seem very smart at all. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think is going to happen to Twitter? Do you reckon it will survive? Uh, look, I am now on Mastodon, which is the... Mastodon. Master, is it Mastodon, is it? That's how they say it in the Power Rangers. Don't worry. Okay, Mastodon. Yeah, and yeah. I'm quite hopeful about that. Like, I've got, like, I reckon maybe 40 or 45 of the key people that I follow on Twitter... Yep. Have, have moved over there. Some of them just retweet the stuff that they're posting over on Twitter. But it's increasingly becoming something where I'll open the app and go, oh, yeah, actually, there's some interesting stuff. It's very it's very climatey at the moment. Like, all the people I'm following are all talking about COP27. It's a bit boring. I mean, incredibly <laughs> important. Whereas um, Twitter's just picking on the person that owns Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. My favourite tweet yesterday was, um, it's like he's Elmer Fudd and he bought a website full of Bugs Bunnies. Yes, yes. Visual. It's like... We're the Roadrunner road and he's Coyote. Coyote. It's like, yeah, and every tweet is like an Acme yeah. exploding balloon thing. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, let's like let's get serious for a little second here. Like, we're making light of this, but we are literally talking about the world's richest man yes owning the place where the conversation the most important conversations the planet has mm. that is deeply dystopian yes he's also a man with this libertarian fairly nutty politics yeah well and but also authoritarian like he's he's yeah sort of, he thinks taiwan should be owned by china and ukraine it needs to just concede a bit in the crimea <laughs> And right now, he's he's claiming to have previously voted Democrat, but he sees now is the moment to get on board the Republican train, yeah. which seems very, yeah. very odd. This particular moment, right when they're trying to topple democracy in various aspects, it's it's strange. It's not a good look. No, it's not good. And I mean, I think it's also interesting, to be honest, that it, it happens at this inflection point within social media. Like social media, Twitter was the last social media company because tiktok came in it's not social media it's actually addiction media it doesn't matter if you follow someone on tiktok you don't get served them it's just the algorithm that decides what you see each day right and instagram has also gone down that path and and is now more algorithm driven so it's not that you're getting shared stuff from the people you follow or the people who share to you it's Twitter has that option. You can set your timeline to highlights mode rather than Mm. chronological, which is basically algorithm mode. And Facebook is completely now more algorithm-driven than than it ever was. And and they've actually indicated, no, no, we're going to go for the addiction model because it's a better engagement model. It makes people addicted to your app. They stay longer. And so Twitter was the last holdout of an actual, as you say, town square that actually... Um, was based on social media. And, and and we'll look back at this stage of social media as a golden age, I think. I think we'll go, it was amazing how democratic... Like, the shot itself would never have launched without access to social power of people republishing our stuff across their feeds and, and getting it out there. 
And it's going to turn in like Twitter definitely will turn into addiction model where you've got to pay to play. You, you're actually you're up against Sky News and the Australian it, it, and, and everyone um, in terms yeah. of getting it. In it is models. very interesting that his new verification model, which is the thing that the currently verified people are all very upset about, indicates because he's, he's he has said explicitly that if you pay eight dollars a month, it was twenty. Stephen King bartered him down. It's so strange that that really happened. Mm. If you pay that eight dollars, you will get prioritized in the replies mm. by the algorithm, which is it is paying for some strange advantage, you know, in this weird website that we're all addicted to and try to accumulate meaningless numbers on. Mm. But you are paying for that algorithmic advantage. It's it's monetizing the need to get these little dopamine hits from strangers. Yeah, yeah. It is addiction media. It probably, it probably will work, won't it? <laughs> Put in that <laughs> terms. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Chaser Report. More news. Less often. Because I was annoyed by everyone who was sort of going, oh, we shouldn't have to pay for this. Because the truth is, you know, if if you're not paying, then you are the product. Like, it, like I think that there was there was an interesting play there by Twitter. Like, if they could have slowly brought in a subscription model, they probably could have made enough money out of that model. But it's not $8 to be verified. It... it it actually has to be something that frog in boiling water type thing where it, it's good because getting away from advertising driven sort of thing is yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that the really exciting thing is that Mastodon is is not an owned company. It's actually an idea more than anything else. Yeah, no, and I it's a network, it. and that's why I hold out hope for it because it is such a it's a purely social media play. And that it may actually end up being the thing that we all become addicted to simply because it, it stays truer to to those things. Like otherwise, like if you're on Twitter, you're going to be, yeah, it, it is going to be this thing where suddenly, you know, the equivalent of a BuzzFeed will just be feeding, filling up your feed because yeah, they've got the priority the because they've paid the money the priority like i think the biggest problem isn't necessarily him wanting to earn money from its user base it's like the philosophy he's applied to his attempts to do that because it shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what's good about the platform mm. i like going on there and knowing that you know i can drunkenly like tap tom morello on the top shoulder and be like that was sick guitar playing man and knowing that it's actually him like yes. that's it, actually the kick i get out of twitter yes, yes. and then all of a sudden it it doesn't the blue tick doesn't anymore mean that's actually Tom Morello. It means that's a dude that's got eight dollars. Yes, and and it, and the philosophy behind that is that he is viewing the verified check mark as an insecure man would in that it's just this ego boost. It's just this yes. all it is is clout. Yes, that's not how I really saw it. I just it's like assuring. It's a safety feature. 
It's like a badge on a car, isn't it? It's it's, it's just he's selling yeah, us. It is. This is how rich people think about the Fuck, world. Fuck! What a fucking moron! What an absolute moron! He has no understanding. He's bought, he's bought something. He's bought something. He's bought a social. He's bought a party, like a, like a social <laughs> gathering, and he doesn't understand the socialness of the gathering. He's asked us to turn the music off. It's weird. Fuck! Jesus! That's why I was upset. Yeah. Because you said you got pissed off and everyone was upset, and I was very clearly upset. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, no, it was just like, well, you know, somebody's got to pay, and I think it'll be uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, ultimately, could, could this wipe him out? Yes, I think it could. That, that, that big a move, it's, I guess, forty-four billion dollars isn't small. Well, I think the because the other thing, and I think this is more of a rumor than you know, we haven't seen the latest inventory models, but it is true that Tesla. Um, had a blowout in its inventory in the last quarter, right? So suddenly people aren't buying uh, new Teslas at the rate that they were in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, Why is that? Well, I think that's just rising interest rates and slowing economy, right? But, mm-hmm. but add to that the fact that it's embarrassing now to own a Tesla. Like... There's. I recently went to the US. The places where you see the testers are California, like in LA. It's not Hicksville, Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, it is a. It's an East Coast blue thing to do. So there's that, and then you know, every time Twitter needs more money, the only source of revenue that has, you know, that that Elon Musk can tap is to sell more of his Tesla shares. So there's. Now, constant pressure on the Tesla share price, and it could just become this vicious cycle where it drains him of all his resources. Is the best case scenario that he sees this and jumps ship from Twitter really quickly? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be so good. Yeah. Well, we've set up, the Chaser has set up a. um, Are you trying to buy Twitter? We've set up a Lettuce versus Elon Musk watch (laughs) to see which. Brings us to Liz Truss. Which brings us to Liz Truss, yes. That was smooth. So you've been in London for the last few weeks. And and Europe, really. You went to Paris. Yeah, during the uh, ill-fated Liz Truss. Oh, you were there. Were you there? I was there for basically all of it. Wow. (laughs) For three weeks. It was quite a remarkable time. And so what, Uh, what is going on with the UK? I don't think... Brexit has gone particularly well for them. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put it like really, yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing that seemed like a terrible idea and had no discernible benefits has has eventuated thusly, mm. and it's it's had a really interesting effect on but, like family life. People don't like to talk about it. It really seems like at the moment. Yeah, because it's very hard to admit that you got it wrong, isn't it? Like, isn't it still a bit of a sort of sacred cow that you no politician will dare say, oh, the people got it wrong? No. Yeah, it's this, like, it's become, it's kind of like QAnon at American Thanksgivings. We're just trying not to talk about it that much. Right. I guess I, I'd last been in London in 2019, just before the pandemic, and compared to how it felt now, Two week, a week ago. What was the first thing that I noticed was that in all the service industry jobs and hospitality jobs, basically London used to run on Eastern European people getting paid the minimum wage jobs, but you know, doing it diligently and well. Mm. This year, they, they just completely disappeared from the city of London. Mm. All service industry jobs were basically just very grumpy Londoners, oh, British no. people. Yes. That would work, I guess, working the minimum wage, very grumpy about it. And then 
cost of everything was so expensive in London that they were clearly just in this cycle of needing to work and sleep and work and sleep and work and sleep and just not getting ahead. The news was constant, just various crises I'd never heard about before, you know, the latest in the broccoli crisis and like <laughs> things were just disappearing constantly. Supermarkets weren't particularly well stocked. It, really? It so it was, it was like, you know, when Australia first started having lockdowns and the shelves It was would sort be of like milder than still. that. I wasn't to that degree, right. but it was still going on. Yeah. And so the wow. high streets in, I went to Coventry, which is, you know, in the yeah. Midlands. And the high streets there was that sort of every second shop was shut. I don't know if this is, like, this is a small snapshot of the country. I'm sure it's not repeated everywhere but there were just signs of things just sort of eroding and then as, as i'd speak to people the queen had just died too this was a really strange time to mm. be in the uk yeah and some of the people i was talking to were sort of at a deep fundamental level quite disturbed about the fact that people were being arrested for protesting about the fact that you know the monarchy during this period of mourning and fairly innocuous stuff like a placard up outside mm. westminster yeah. and you know being sent to jail for it. Mm -hmm. these, these aren't vibes of things going well for a country. It, it, it definitely felt like everything, every single measure was just a bit worse. And in some measures, quite a lot worse than it was three years ago. So why is Margaret Thatcher to blame for all of this? Oh, we're going there. Okay. <laughs> so the UK has become wedded to this idea of basically austerity politics, which is that the poor deserve what they get which isn't much, and rich people pull themselves up, and it's cutting back on social services. It is not taxing the wealthy very much. And this is why, this is the interesting thing that happened politically, is that Liz Truss basically got the job as the replacement for Boris Johnson by promising this extremely neoliberal approach to managing the economy. She was going to get in there during these multiple broccoli crises that I'd never heard of. She was going to get in there and fix all of that by doing basically what the Australian government is set to do with its stage three tax cuts. She yeah. was going to make things a lot easier for rich people to not pay tax. And the, just the, the, the why this was interesting, because that's, that's not news in itself. That's what Tories have done forever. Actually, I mean, that's what mm. politicians of both stripes have done for the last 40 years to be totally accurate. But she did it, and the market reacted to it extremely negatively for, I think, the first time ever. They usually love mm. this sort of thing. Yes. But it, it was this... She lost all economic credibility because it was just so obvious that actually the country couldn't afford to do this. This was mm. a dumb thing to be doing right now. And even the banks and the finance industry felt this way. And the economy tanked. It was like 30% in a day kind of thing. Mm. Like people's retirement savings were whittled down that much. And that is why she's not prime minister. And it was the fact that her ideology, her approach to managing the economy was so neoliberal. It was like an extreme form of neoliberalism at a moment when the, the nation's economy just couldn't handle that anymore mm. without collapsing in on itself. And that yes. is why she's no longer prime minister. And that is a massive, that is a massive change in the orthodoxy. Yes. It's, it's really quite an interesting moment. Yes. It's almost like the contradictions in capitalism have come full circle so that uh -huh. the lefties are now the bankers and the, you know, the, the lefties who believe in higher tax <laughs> are now the bankers and the, no, that's not true. <laughs> but then, but did did Murdoch hold on hope till the end? Like they must the have trust. still backed trust to the end. You would have thought but they back whoever the Conservative PM is. Like you know, yeah. there were great great pictures about her 
you know, in the front pages a few days before this happened, and then very enthusiastic pitches about Rishi Sunak, the next guy, the day afterwards. Yeah. They just want to keep this train rolling. And it is such a shit show. And for the first time in a long time, the, the British Labour Party actually has quite resounding lead in the polls. So that and that needs to last a little bit longer till the next election, but change of government looks extremely likely. You say that that I do. You know, you can always trust the British Labour Party to fuck it up. You can always trust any Labour Party to fuck it up. <laughs> We're fucked, aren't we? Shit. <laughs> I think I'm going to write about the Victorian election in the Herald Sun this week. That's so oh, Yeah, good. that'll be good. That'll be great. That'll, uh, yeah. Okay. And are you for or against Dan Andrews? And what about the steps? Well, I'm, we haven't I'm, covered the that. steps. No, we're going to cover the steps. I actually bought yeah. that newspaper, that edition. Wow. Too funny. <laughs> um, we'll get into the steps. I, I, Daniel Andrews is definitely going to win despite the steps. <laughs> Fuck, okay, gosh, how unassailable I mean, that's only a dictator could win against steps Well, that's kind of the, what's implied in that story The other thing that's implied in that story is that these are little bitch-ass steps And could only hurt a little bitch It's really quite funny <laughs> they're, like, they're only 42 centimetres high It's just like, it's really You've got to do a line-by-line textual analysis of that of that, can uh, I? Yes, okay. you should. You should totally right, go through it. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'll do a more. Yeah. I'll be more meticulous than Media Watch. I'll yeah. be awful about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be perfect. Okay. All right, man. That was fun. Do you reckon that was good? That was fun. Um, our gears from Rode microphones. Uh, we are part of the Acast Creator Network. This message comes from Bof sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.